0: Welcome to episode 651 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Rightio, team, welcome along to episode 151 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsome and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate?
1: Good, but I hate to break it to you. What are you breaking to me? We've done more than 151 shows. I say 100?
0: Did I say 100? 100. Yeah, 151. Sorry, 651. Even as I said it, I, I kind of thought to myself, that seems, yeah. I knew something was up, but yeah. I wasn't quite sure. Okay, 651. i tell you what, Murray, oh, hold a hammer. Whenever I really get anything wrong with numbers, you can tell he's an accountant. Yeah. Because he, he knows his numbers and he'll email me, oh, you got this one wrong? He's onto it. But John was even sharp today. So 651 of am Talk. John Newsom, Bevan
1: James Ours. How you going, mate? I'm pretty good. Pretty good. out nice, here. Nice warm day. Sweating up my couch. couch. Going, I know. It's a 15 minute bike ride to Bevan's place. But when you've got a, about 10 minutes at, I don't know, 8 to 12%, get a little bit of a sweat going. To get a bit of sweat on and it's, and it's a hot day. Getting heat wave. Do you know what the definition of a heat wave is, John? Did you
0: watch the news last night? No. Okay. Here's the definition of a heat wave. A heat wave is five days in a row, five degrees above the normal temperature Wow at that time of the year. Okay. So it's not quite a heat wave in New Zealand yet. Because it hasn't been five but days. We're in a heading row. that
1: way. What's a heat wave? I'm talking proudly brought to you by Extreme Endurance,
0: your electric Buffer,
1: and our patrons and it's named a couple jumbo. Rob the spine tingler green. Good one then one. We've got Damien, the hundred dollar bill, Bennett. And Paul the Tiger (laughs) Munro. Uh, this week's show it's not a porn show <laughs> <laughs> when, when does porn have tigers
0: <laughs> is that what you sound like <laughs> <laughs> hey Belinda <argh.
1: laughs> okay we've got news we've got hot topic of the week we've got stats we're going to interview with that, John we have Anna Marie Watson so you may recall uh, a little while ago our Strava group has been dominated by some ultra running and uh, she is part of that I am um, talk Strava group and she does ultra running and her partner Ben emailed in, said hey, you had her as the wanger of the week, do you want to interview her and try to get a bit of inside knowledge on what it's like to be doing ultras and so that's what I did. Okay,
0: Uh, then we've got some questions and answers and winger of the week at the end, so let's get straight into it. John, so last week we talked about how Ironman UK was getting a lot of crap about the Iron Girl race uh, and... Basically, eight hundred fifteen posts, mostly negative posts, on their Facebook page, and the big news is it's been cancelled.
1: So, the Iron Girl, for those of you that don't know, is a five k run held before the race. Uh, Iron Girl, and it is su- successfully run at a number of races around the world, um, as far as I believe. And
0: is, is Iron Girl more than that? Uh, is it a triathlon? I, I think they way?
1: also have triathlons as well. Maybe we should have researched. that. you well, research I won't do that. right now? Um, but so they introduced a five k to be held before. Iron Man, UK and Bolton, and there was outrage on uh, on their social media page, as Bevan said, about 815 posts. Um, a few days later, they said, To our athletes and fans, we're sorry. We heard you, we realised we missed the mark on this one. After taking pe- feedback into consideration, we have decided to replace Iron Girl with a night run. A 5K run open to everyone aged 16 and up. Iron Girl was not in any way intended to isolate groups or and." or negative stereotypes however we acknowledge the incorrect way in which the message was brought across the intention of the event was to provide a 5k fun run through a supportive energetic and empowering environment for females pursuing healthy and active lifestyles who may want to be involved but not necessarily interested in doing an Ironman event at this time the event was no way intended to diminish the achievements and capabilities of women Ironman celebrates all athletes and encourages inclusive participation across all levels of competition and distance we apologise again and are committed to doing better as we work to bring more racing opportunities for all. So um, I just find this a really interesting topic. I think it's really interesting of our time because, okay, so
0: Iron Gill started in 2000, wait a second, let me go back to about us. Iron Girl started, launched in 2004 with just two events in the United States. So Iron Gill brand has gained popularity throughout the years. Uh, garnering global appeal the event series broadened over the last decade varying from 5k to 10k to half marathons expanding and incorporating mother-daughter races and sprint triathlons as women's health and fitness goals transform we aspire to uh, evolve and present new programs for our iron girl community so it's been around for a long time that
1: brand yeah it's i don't know guess I, I it's, it's just different markets respond differently to different words and for me iron girl doesn't really sound very appealing, and, and the British are similar to us Kiwis, so it seems to go fine in, in the States. But if they launch an Iron Girl in New Zealand, I'd be going, hmm, is that something for, like, teenagers? Uh, what's, what's your sort of I, – I, I don't get it. And That's I think the POMs are similar to us. Well, yeah. Well, I also think it's a bit of a reflection of the Me Too time.
0: Mm. You know what I mean? Because it it's been around forever, let's be honest, it's been around for the last 15 years mm-hmm. Now admittedly, if you go to the IronGill.com website, it's got the WTC, has a copyright Looks like they don't spend any money on the website <laughs> <laughs> It looks like a, a bit of a nearly 2000s website um, But, you know, they've, they've been going for a long time it's, It seems like it's well intended, obviously it's a business and they're trying to make money Yeah um, it's so easy for us to put the boot in Man, but they try. They are. Well, no, I think tr- I think what they do is they're just trying to use brand ex- um, line extension. So line mm-hmm. extension is when you use your brand to kind of, um, you know, get recognition to bring new people in. So Iron you obviously, is meant to be an entry level. But
1: here's a question for you, though. So that so they, they, they were going to do. Some it, people might be thinking of two men talking about this, but yeah, yeah. but they're having a. F- so they were going to have a females only five k race. Um, do you think now they're having a just an all-open mass five k? You'll get less females participating.
0: Well, it's interesting. Gyms have female-only sections. Yeah, you a- know, and, my, and the gym I at has a less female-only, uh, well, a female-only
1: area. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee there'd be people who wouldn't come to a gym if we didn't have that. Yeah, and, and and there's fit in New Zealand, and I know and elsewhere around the world there is women's only triathlons, and I'm absolutely sure that a, a percentage of those women would not do an event that yeah. was an open event. So yeah. I just find it an interesting one. I just think that maybe in this case it was just the branding they got it wrong well, or the well, time. that's the thing is because it seemed like from some of the posts we read
0: last week that the frustration was that woman, you know, Iron Man, mm. even though it does mean both, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's kind of become this kind of both genders, but Iron Man is a male and mm. then so Iron Girl, it means you're weak. Mm. You know mm. that was kind of the impersonation I got from the post we were reading. It was the thing that people were frustrated about. Now, uh, uh, to me, if W T just brought out this brand right now, but it just seems a really interesting moment that it's hit now the, for, for the,
1: the stigma UK around it. Yeah, oh, yeah, right.
0: Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, but has Iron Gill worked in the UK in the past? Have the head races? I, I don't. You know? I don't. Think Is this the so. first time we've seen the Iron Gill Let us know.
1: Yeah, I'd love to know. Because the same thing happens at Rote. They have a women's only five k the day before, massively popular. They get uh, you went to it, did you or not? like the f- first year we were there? Was it the run we did? Pe- oh yeah, thousands yeah, yeah, of people yeah, I dude! Got, got no, that was the night run. Ah, oh. uh, they have a women's only race there, and in that market, it works really, and really that well. And is it a run or a triathlon? It's a five k run, okay. female only, and it's just interesting. We're t- as Bevan said, we're two blokes discussing an issue that. Yeah, but we're, then again, I own, I own a running business. Okay, so I own a running business that targets total, run, you know, total
0: beginners. Mm-hmm. And we only market to female. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason we only market to female is I've tried males and I was wasting money. I was throwing money down the drain. Mm. So our marketing is specifically a female. It's, it's not your typical fit person. Um, it's kind of demographic 30 to 55. Um, and we just, we, the, the market told us men don't want their product. Mm. So now, but then if you put on a 5K run, men are going to turn up to that. Mm-hmm. So if you had like the night run that we did, at yeah. Road, which is a bit, a bit longer than 5k I do think that like I think what they're trying to do the intention is we want to get something where the entry level person can turn up mm-hmm. that's what we want to do mm. um, and so that's the intention does when you, if you make it mixed
1: does that make it harder for people to turn up mm. I'm convinced they'll get less females racing running in that run because it's males and females
0: for those who those who are listeners of the show and you know in the UK and complained in this post can you email us and tell us what the real frustration is is the real frustration just that the name is intending that women are weaker than men because I think that's the problem mm. and if that's the case I kind of get it mm-hmm. I do get that why that would be fair And I do think if that's the case iron girl kind of dies overnight mm. um, but is there more to it that we're missing because maybe we're just men and we don't get it mm. you know but it isn't Words seem to be fascinating. It's a fascinating time for words in our society, isn't it? So anyway, so, that, so you're not doing that race, are you? Anyone who was planning to do it? Because <laughs> so, it's gone. But they've got the well, my other
1: question around this is, has Parkrun killed events like this? Um, because i just go to Park Run. That, that's me personally. No, Park go, Run's great. i just go and Park Run. I, and like in Christchurch now, we have a 5K series that runs, it's been around for donkey's years, runs for about three weeks in January, February. So it gets big numbers? Uh, does it? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah well, at me, least
0: last year it did because I was in the park one night and it was going and it was chocker. Yeah.
1: But uh, Park Run's great,
0: but I think it, does, it will kill some little I don't runs. know because like when Park Run came to Christchurch, and, and again, we've got a running business getting people to run 5Ks, I was like, oh no, it's going to kill my business. If anything, it helped us. Mm. You know, because it helps people think that, oh, because runs just the run. Mm. So for us, we are training, so it brought people who'd want to do a park run. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Mm. Uh, I think anything that gets a beginner exercise and moving, why would we have a problem with it? Exactly. You know what I mean? And unfortunately, so if... Like, okay, so the negative side is, if you're right in saying that less females would do a group run, mm-hmm. that's just a night run, and let's be honest, it's a the idea of uh, the, uh, kind of my thinking around the Iron Gear brand is it is a bit more designed for the beginner. Mm-hmm. It is a brand. Mm. It is you know what, come and give it a go. Yeah, you know, give it a try kind of kind of thing. Now, if that's got less people, if, if the night run had less people turning up, because you know they think it, the, the beginner thinks it's an elite run, mm. that's that's actually a disappointing thing about this whole thing. Mm. Because actually, we want to me. Like I always find it really frustrating in my industry When you get someone saying Oh, running's stupid or CrossFit's stupid Mate, people aren't moving mm. Our job is to get people moving So if, if, if this whole kind of dispute Has caused less people to do exercise In some ways that's a problem as well mm. So, you know, like
1: People aren't moving in society. Our main goal is to keep people moving. People are moving this weekend, last weekend in Israel, Bevan. uh, Israel man? Israel man and Elliot. uh, Very long-standing iron distance race. We also have a half distance over there. Um, And we nearly had a dojo domination on the... Now we did have a dojo domination, sorry. Christian Alstadt from Germany, he took it out, he did 9.29.01. You might be going, oh that's a bit of a slow time, it's a very difficult course. Uh, he swam 58, rode 5.22 and ran 3.07. Dan Altman from Israel was second in 9.51 and Marco Corti was third from Italy in 9.56. So pretty close racing between uh, second through to sixth, only... Uh, uh, about 10, 11 minutes in it, um, Dan Altman It's part of a brother combo, not with quite the Brownlee brothers, but there was Dan and Ran Altman and they used to come over to Christchurch, a couple of is- Israeli boys. I think they made it to the Olympics. Uh, they were certainly racing on the ice. So to short course guys. Short course guys, yep. Uh, and then on the female side we had Antonia Renzikov from Israel. Uh, she took it out, I think second year in a row, 10.37 in front of Paris Edwards in 10.53 and Oh, yeah, this is a goodie. She's from go. the Ukraine. Alexandra. Yeah, we can you killed that. Hrushina. Hrushina. Yeah, there we go. She was in third place in 11.11. 11. Just um, not, not that it has to say anything about what we're talking about, but I've
0: got to recommend a book right now. Mm-hmm. The Spy versus the Traitor. Okay, there you go. Seriously, the best book, and even Joe said this, the best book we've read in years. You'll love it. Right. The spy, true story about this... About a... A UK spy who went for the KGB. No, a KGB guy who went to the UK. Spy, what is it? The spy Spy and the trader, I think it is, by someone, um, McClintock. McIntyre, sorry. I think it's Ben McIntyre. Seriously, guys, everyone read this book. I I said to Joe, oh my God, this is the best book I've read in a long time. She read it in a day and a half almost. Like, you can't put it down. Unbelievable story. The spy and the trader.
1: Okay, so that was a great race. Um, $26.28 on bookdepository.com. Oh, let's keep her on the Kindle. Okay. Do you have the Kindle? I do have a Kindle. Yeah, get the Kindle. Tell you.
0: Great. Great book. Unbelievable. Yeah. And it gets, like, you know. Calm it's so, down. We're on like
1: Unbelievable. Check it out. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. It's that good, John. <laughs> we also had the 70.3 in South Africa. Um, Michael Weiss. Man, that guy is just dominating pretty much every single race he did. I mean, even Kona, you're sure he didn't win it, but he was in the top 10. He yeah, is on an amazing vice. run. Sorry? I say it's Bradley
0: Weiss. Why is that?
1: Oh, okay. Different person. <laughs> <laughs> Bradley Weiss is doing really well, so. <laughs> Michael Weiss was smacking no, because
0: it. Because I, I remember this morning, when you were talking, I was like, wait a second. Because this morning, the headline in the article was, Vice uh, Watkinson, take Ironman South. And I was like, oh, Michael Vice. And like, it? Bradley Vice. Who's Bradley Weiss?
1: Well, he's from South Africa. And he, uh, he what did he swim there? That swim time seems uh, awfully fast. Swam fifteen minutes thirty-five. Biked two fourteen, and then ran a one nineteen to beat out um, the. It was a South African trifecta: Matt Tropman in second, and James Carnham in third. And then on the female side, Amelia, uh, no, Amelia Watkinson almost cocked up the females as well. Jeez. Anna Watkinson. I don't know if any relative or not uh, was first beating out Emma. <laughs> Pallant. Excuse me. Emma Pallant and uh, Jade Roberts, so
0: good on you guys over in South Africa So we are starting to kind of kick into, we haven't had our first Ironman yet But we're starting to kick into the you know the regular season and Dubai 70.3 is coming this weekend And so far we haven't really had much more of an update on any more pros than what we saw when we were talking about this last week you got Brownlee, you got Bloomingfield Bowen. It's just going to be a two-horse two, two
1: horse yeah, race, yes, I think, in the males. It could be quite an interesting race. You, ne- you never know what you're going to get from Alistair Brownley these days. You know We've seen him absolutely crushing uh, some half-distance races, um, but others he hasn't been uh, quite so strong. So, yeah, it should be a really good battle, because he'll have a, uh, probably have a bit of a lead over Blumenfeld out of the swim. They're both very strong on the bike, uh, and who knows what will happen on the run. Blumenfeld's a really gutsy, strong runner. Alistair Brownlee should outrun him, but if he's not in top shape, uh, could be be an interesting contest and those are going to be your two guys that are um in the running for a million bucks and it's even um more disappointing on the, f- the female side of racing because uh the current start list really it's just uh, holly lawrence and that's pretty much it you know i mean there's some other there's only strong, 11 competitors in the yeah females. there's some strong girls there but um in terms of actually somebody who's got the capacity to potentially win the whole series um she's the only one with a chance
0: we also have some new faces in the challenge or not sorry in the Bahrain team or Bahrain 13 is it called Uh, Bahrain Endurance 13 and so it's actually interesting because we've lost a couple and we've gained some so the majority of the the group are the same but this year we've added they've added uh, Louis uh, Vincent Vincent Louis Uh, we've also got uh, Christian
1: Blumenfeld and then we have got Lauren Parker but yeah. that's the interesting part of it is she's Commonwealth Games para athlete. So oh, I miss that again, yeah. uh, So I think that's really interesting. You can be cynical about things like that if you want to, but I think it's fantastic. Uh, you know, there's, only, there's 13 athletes on the team, and that's why they, if they've got new athletes coming in, they've got to boot some out. Um, looks like Ben Hoffman, Brent McMahon, and Jodie Swallow are on the outer. I'm not sure what Jodie Swallow's up to on, on the racing front. Um, but yeah, fantastic that they've got a para athlete in there. So good on them. You've got the usual contenders with. For Fradino, um, Gomes, Brownlee. Uh, and, and Yeah, Bozzone, uh, and all those guys that were there last year. But a couple of iron athletes. Yep, Daniela Reef. I um, wonder if we could. Uh, David Please. Okay, wait
0: a second. I'm gonna, okay, you, Wait, wait. Let's go back to scratch. Let's do a test of John Newsom's. Okay. RN Endurance 13 knowledge. Okay, so. Okay,
1: we'll do the boys first. Yes. So we'll go Brownlee, Fradino, um, Gomes, Ben Canute, Now we've got Blumenfeld, Vincent Louie, David Place, And then we'll go for the females. So we'll go Daniela Reif, Holly Lawrence. We've got Lauren Parker. So that's 10. Did you do the new ones? Yeah, I've done some of those. I'm up to 10. And then you've got the Prince, who's 11. So I'm missing two, which will be females. I'd imagine... Uh, oh I know. Um the Australian uh whatchamacallit? Um Gentle. Actually gentle Yes. Which me, leaves me one. Leaves me one. Who's that gonna be, Bevan? I
0: didn't hear everyone you said. And and on their website they've only got ten. Okay. So Alistair Brownley, gentle. Yeah.
1: Ben Canoe? Yep. Said him. Daniela Reef. Yep. David Please. Yep. Oh, the the Prince. Yeah, and I said the prince. Oh. But I think I only got a Lawrence? Yeah. Uh, did I say Holly Lawrence? Maybe I didn't say Holly okay. Lawrence. Jan, yeah, um, uh, Javier, Javier Pozzone, and then yeah.
0: Pretty close. Pretty close. Yeah, That's actually pretty good. I'm pretty proud of you, John. Proud of, you. of you. Proud, proud of you. Um, Hoffman's the interesting one in this one, him being dropped, because his, him not doing Kona, like if he had a great Kona, would he have been dropped?
1: Uh, I think they're probably focusing a bit more on the Olympics. That seems to be the angle they're going for there. So they want to try to make sure that, if they can, they can try to have the Olympic champion coming out of the group. So in you, there you've got a chance with Vincent Louis, um, a bit of a long shot possibly with Christian Blumenfeld. Um, you've got Gomez in there, but the one uh, striking omission is probably Moller and Richard Murray's probably a bit of a chance. So yeah, I think it's a pretty strong team. With the, is it the best
0: team we've ever seen
1: in the history of teams in triathlon? Well, I guess so. I mean, you used to have the Try Dubai, but that was very much iron distance racing. And so, it and only Try Dubai kind of had a couple rock stars, and then a lot of second tier. Uh no, 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 they had no, no. You're probably thinking of a, a different team. Try Dubai. That was it was pr- probably. No, no, they had all the their top iron iron distance athletes. Oh, they? they had Brownie. They had. Oh, okay, um, no, I'm thinking of one. I'm
0: thinking of the one that um. Ferris, Ferris was on. Yeah
1: they were another one of those yeah. uh Middle western kind of abu dhabi i think they were yeah yeah there was a german team for a long time what was they uh that was the bank one the Co- commerce bank i yeah. think or something like that the that many with, german with, athletes
0: yeah what about like in the 90s no not really no
1: not that i can. It's never really of. worked has it the team no well, even now i mean what, what this team does and what I think is really good about it is they're promoting the sport in Bahrain so hopefully that's where they're getting the benefit it doesn't make me want to travel to Bahrain and I don't think that's their intention uh, I think it's about trying to foster more participation in Bahrain and it sounds like they're doing a pretty reasonable job over there you have John to IT update but there's nothing there nothing there no Monday course accuracy check nothing there I will say I got a bit of grief because my, my course accuracy at the weekend we had the Corsier Classic oh the Corsier Classic it, it, People saying it's not Olympic distance, but if they check the fine print, it actually said it was a 9.5k run, not a 10km run. So is everything else Olympic distance except for the run? No, not quite. The swim was supposed to be 1500, it was a little bit long I think. Oh, uh, you could say made it up there. Yeah, and then the bike was advertised as 39k, about 38.5, and, yeah. and the run was advertised 9.5 and, and it was about 9.3 probably. Close can, enough. And they're complaining. Not complaining, just pointing out that it's a bit ironic okay. that I often go on <laughs> yeah. about course accuracy. It's ironic. Um, okay, this week's discussion. Now, and I may veto your discussion this oh, okay. it's poor and you know it. It's not poor. I want to get some feedback on it, but that's okay. But haven't we done this one in the past? Um, anyway, let's do this week's first. Okay, this week's
0: discussion. So this week's discussion was, what have you vowed to improve in 2019?
1: John, what have you vowed to improve Nick Kearney, I'm going to remember to enter events and train for them. <laughs> nice. It's definitely a start ego because
0: I'm, I'm still going. Uh,
1: Rob Dalymore, I plan not to forget to turn up to a race without a number belt. I'm an expert at forgetting to bring one. God, I've got so many bloody number belts. I think I... Uh, Send to Rob. Yeah, I should do. You know uh, Dino Gaskin? mm mm-hmm. You is he,
0: is he a patron? He, I don't know if he, he so. goes out with one of my old flatmates. Really? What are the chances of that? Crazy. Yeah, I know old Anna. I was was looking on Facebook, and
1: they'll, wait a second, back it up, and they'll look loved up. Yeah, I wrote up uh, Coloco Drive with Dino one year over in Kona. Coloco Drive? Yeah. Uh, Paula Ryan, I plan to arrive earlier to have time to lay out my gear and transition instead of being rushed out before I'm properly organised, which leaves me scrambling around during the race and wasting time. Good move, Paula. Uh, You see so many people that are getting flustered before races, and wasting a huge amount yeah. of nervous energy. Uh, good old Ben Cobra has got, during ultra races,
0: to separate food bags from waste bags, it's a really good one, petrified food, uh, just don't taste the same anymore. Mmm, bananas.
1: Good old Sam Walls. he was out there helping at my race uh, on Sunday. Was he hungover with, with He was not hangover this year. I, I sent him notes before the race, said, can you come along? It's was, you know, six o'clock, and... It doesn't matter if you're hungover. I didn't even notice last time, but he was quite entertained. Last, last race he helped at, he would been, had an all-nighter. Yeah. And, appa- and he, I didn't realise he was helping with the set up and I didn't realise he was marshalling. He said he was waning badly during the, the race. Why is that? In terms of the fatigue, because uh, he was standing on like a corner and just, you know, oh, been up all night. Oh, okay. Oh, you mean last time? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he said, hitting the wall at 30k mark and marathons, going to have a strong finish this year. Bring it on. Uh, have you done Wayne
0: Ross? I have not. Wayne Ross going harder than planned in the first hour of an Ironman
1: bike. will be sticking to power and heart rate targets next time. Such a discipline, that, and it's so good when you get it right. Uh, but Control's the bloody, most important thing, isn't it? It's bloody hard to let people ride up the road. Uh, there we go, last one I'll do, and I think uh, I haven't done Dana um, Bevan, so you could do her. Okay. Craig Miskin, uh, not putting in additional races into the schedule just to reassure that training is relating to performance. Good, Another good one.
0: Good old Dana, um, i going to say, i going to say Connolly. Help her. Uh, I think in the past I've always gone into big races slightly under trained. I vow not to let that happen this year and go into IMLP, which one would you reckon that Lake, Placid. Lake Placid. Uh, super ready and confident, yet not overtrained. It is a
1: fine line, isn't it? It is. And I think most people get the other side of that equation uh, bang on, they'd usually but over trained and under rested.
0: Well, on, on, on an Ironman day, now, this is total good luck with answering it, but. On an Ironman day, what do you reckon the percentage of the field are in the sweet spot? Because there's a lot of people who are undertrained. Mm. There's a lot of people who are, like, oh, you know, end up doing sixty percent of the program, and then you get the 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 you know the other side of it where they just go too hard.
1: What do you reckon the sweet spot? How many do you reckon can? I think the bell curve applies to almost everything in life.
0: Yeah, but what do you reckon in an
1: Ironman percentage of people who actually get it right? Or fifty percent get it? Just a little bit of uh, a bit, yeah. So you got that. Fifty percent is your marker, yeah. and then you've yeah. got excellent. You know, what is the percentage on the bell curve? Is it twenty-two well, percent? have a look? Twenty-two percent, maybe percentage. it's uh, that are sort of average to above average, and then is it maybe eight percent is uh, they've uh, done really, really well, and then that must leave a handful of percent that have absolutely nailed it, and then you've got the other half that are you know some are just below average, some are pretty crap, and some are terrible. Okay. Average performance is 70%, but within
0: that, there's three segments. Mm-hmm. So you have below average performance, average performers, above average performance, and, and then central. high performers are 20%, low performance at 10%. Mm.
1: That's not quite what I said, but well, that's the, the, the bell curve. Is. Everything, everything <laughs> in life relates what? to bell curve. <laughs> okay. What's the meaning of life? <laughs> the, the bell, bell curve. curve. What
0: well, not it 42? What? What? Oh, you haven't read really Hitjocker's Guide to the Galaxy? No, okay.
1: no. Get with the Times. That was like the 70s. <laughs> um, Get with the Times. That was the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so <laughs> this week's discussion. No, hold on. What, what, what are you going to vow to admit? I know you're not doing triathlon, but what common mistakes do you make at the gym that you're going, I'm not going to make this year, or running? Hmm. I don't make any mistakes. <laughs> um, um, what common mistakes? I said mine last week. and it's What was it? Transitions. I've, I'm only doing, probably only doing four races this season. Um, so I've done one. I'm doing, you know, so two two small little local ones Challenge Monica and then uh, the Kona 70.3. And in the last few years, just consistently being sloppy in transition, being slow, and obviously I'm not having that shit anymore. I'm doing good transitions back to the good old ITU days. and not mucking around in transition, being properly prepared. So instead of just you know putting on the wetsuit and just you, it'll come off, it's like lubricating properly mm-hmm. and just setting out that transition, having a bit of practice before the race and making sure I get it properly. So I think right. no one even practices, but who practices transitioning exactly? Do
0: you know what? I don't race, John. So I, I, you know, I probably will try. I think I might try to do a race or two this year. But the thing is, my last race, I nailed it. So, what would be the thing I try to improve on? Not that I think I'm perfect, far from it. But one thing, one thing um, I suppose the one thing is trying to figure out the right moment to go. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you know, so I'm really good at sticking to a plan. Yeah. So I've got a plan, I write out a plan, and I really try to base my plan on evidence of training. So, it's not a stupid plan. Um, and trying to figure out that moment, we, you, you know, balls out to the end kind of mm-hmm. thing. And it's it's a it's a fine line, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, because if you get it wrong, game over. Or, but if you get it right, um, so maybe that would be something I would try to improve on. But probably maybe just doing some races. Okay, sounds that'd be, good. That'd be the thing I need to improve on.
1: Here, but this is what I suggested for discussion of the week. Um, does multi-day racing appeal to you? And I'm not talking uh, decker man crazy sort of five days in a row of. So you mean going a bit like,
0: like uh, this is a, a, an
1: example? Not in our world, but kind of like doing a cycle tour. Um, More like they had the French Iron Tour. Yeah. Uh, So you're basically doing roughly an Olympic distance race every day, but one day might be a straight Olympic, one day you might go to the pool and do a 1500 metre swim and go to a track and do a a time trial and then do a 10k running race. The next day might be um, a double super sprint or something like that. So basically doing like an Iron Tour um, format. So I'm just wondering if if people really, it's a cool idea, but would you actually go commit and go, I'm taking three days off work to do a five-day event, or is it just a nice idea? Is this, is this a test for your... Oh, I just I thought the other day, I thought, God, it'd be really cool for age groupers to be able to do something like that, but would they actually do it?
0: Okay, I'll let it through. Okay?
1: I'll let it through. You can use Make sure letter. you reword it if you think that I haven't given enough meanings, because most people comment before they listen to the show. Okay, I will. Sure you will. You know me, John. I do my work. I do my work. Sponsor. I'll save you one for next week. Okay. Sponsor Extreme Endurance. Select the buffer. It is indeed. Yep. They've also got their daily multivin called uh, Immune Boost. It gives you the vitamins front, gives you the research dosage of essential nutrients to help nourish cells, tissues and body organs. Minerals uh, assist immune system and provide steady nutrient support for eyes, bones and body tissues and antioxidants and phytonutrients helps fight damaging oxidative stress caused by free radicals and assist the immune system. And if that all sounds like gobbledygook for you, for you basically bottom line is this is going to keep you healthier, it's going to help you reduce the risk of sickness and make sure you can train consistently so check it out, xendurance.com. It's another product that I love and use regularly and I uh, get lots of good support that often people just have it sitting there and if they're just sort of going through a big training period they'll start cranking it or if they feel, especially if people start around you start getting sick they'll start cranking it just to try to reduce uh, the risk of getting sick. Other people just use it all the time just to stay nice and healthy. So check it out, xendurance.com or on the .eu or .uk website. Good times, xendurance.com
0: John While you are kind of Doing the ad there I was just looking more At this Iron it's It's got no love From Iron Man <laughs> it's From got, DC Yeah Or whatever it's Wanda It's got no love at all mm. Like seriously You go to their Twitter page They haven't put anything up Since 2017 mm-hmm. um, The website still says It's owned by Iron Man Corporation um, So it, it's around But it's They're obviously not pushing it It's obviously mm. hasn't been a success Well they've got the woman For try as well Yeah And if you go to their Facebook page So the last post yeah, was 2017. Mm. There were lots of people who got plenty of followers, but it's obviously it didn't work. Mm. So it must just be each race has the option of putting an iron gill mm. on. But yeah, it's interesting. It's,
1: yeah. Maybe there's some music, Bevan. I need some music. And yeah, I some music. Okay, here's, yeah. some, music. here's some music, John.
0: that's fantastic it's, it's fantastic it's a good one i this
1: one this is a random thought that i had as i was sitting there going it's a bit of a quiet time of the year i need to come up with a few ideas and things we can discuss and so i went into the kona results stats and i was wondering you know in the recent time have we got way faster in kona on the age group front is it about the same, or is it slower? It's a bit of a challenge to get these stats, I, um, because you go onto the Ironman website. I think they go back to about 2000 for, for yeah. age groupers, yeah. But when you get to that, that that stage, they've got the results there, but they're not in order, and you can't filter them. You try to filter by time, and it's just you know, it can't handle it. Mm. So I don't know what year it sort of switches over to where it does actually work. So I was get, I, I compared 2015 with 2003, and I got my 2003 stats off um, Athlinks.com. Um, so I assume they, they're actually accurate but it was actually really quite interesting and I tried to choose two years where in the pro field it looked like they were fairly comparable years so I mean if I'd chosen this last year that's just been, 2018, and compared that, it, like every bloody Tom, Dick and Harry set it at records, so it wasn't a fair comparison. Those years looked like they were roughly the same sort of times for the pros. Um, and it was interesting, and I chose the 40 to 44 age group, just because that's my age group, and I often go there. Um, so on the female side of things, in 2000, the winner went 10-20. She did win by 34 minutes. Wow. That's, so so that's, not, that's not the norm. She was the outlier. That is mental. And I thought, I'll go first and I'll go 10th. And 10th place was 11.44. That's a pretty big gap between 1st and 10th. Mm. Interestingly, then looking at 2015, the winning time was 10.19. Same time, but one, one minute difference, which was, I thought, yeah. 15 years no no significant increase, um, but the big difference, and this is what's gonna be apparent on the male and female side, is 10th place was 10 hours and 50 minutes, so nearly an hour quicker than uh, what it was in 2000, so winning time about the same, the strength of the field significantly stronger. Uh, on the male side of things, in 2000 uh, we had almost the exact same thing in happening. You had first place who went 9.05, but he won by nearly 40 minutes. Yeah, and this one was, was,
0: was really interesting, kind of like the one, isn't it? Because while while he dominated, it didn't happen in 2015. No. Yeah. Uh,
1: so in, in 2000, first was 9.05, tenth was 10.11. So that's a massive gap. That's an hour, hour six. It's huge. Yeah, between top ten. Uh, and But then in, tw- in 2015, uh, first was 9.03, so basically the same time again uh, but 10th 9.33 so I think with that massive statistical analysis pool that we've just pulled from uh, I think we can say that uh, in Kona top one or two or three likely probably not changing that much um, Especially and, and, and the
0: and in fairness different years different speeds hmm. but what we are seeing is that that the pointy end is becoming more competitive Exactly yeah, okay. Very
1: competitive So yeah Just a random one I might do another one of those At some stage soon Just to pluck out a bit more statistical analysis It's like I go. I, I think I almost go as far as Torsten goes But um, <laughs> Torsten's yeah. got nothing on you mate you No know, yeah, It's true You know Because you spent what At least five minutes
0: Yeah uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I imagine Torsten only spent a minute on his website yeah. uh, 3, 2, one, one, two Ha, fa Now this one here I think it a bit of <laughs> <laughs> uh, comes from
1: John's angle no, quite a lot. No, I, I, I've, I've got this guy that I know. He's a race director. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he, and r- he rang you, did he? he? He rang me and he said, "I've got some tips for you." Yeah, because actually, got- actually, actually, this race director who emailed he, 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 he he's he's a really good guy. Yeah, apparently, like, he is. sounds like a tiger when he makes love. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he uh, he got quite negative on this. Oh, really? And then I said. Hey, why don't you spin that around and try to make it positive? Always look on the bright side of life. Yes. Yeah. So five things you can do to make your local race director happy. <laughs> A.K.A. John Newsom. Hey, no, he's a friend of mine. Friend of yours. A friend of mine. Friend. And, and I'm not trying to get pity or anything. Okay. But is, this, is, this, is this positive five, five, got to turn into a rant? Yeah. <laughs> but if you've got local races, you know, it's, this is not... A, a sort of direct m- at Iron Man and, t- and, and things like that. Maybe what you could, could do be. is after each one name somebody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> into early, into early Gail Harvey. <laughs> <laughs> is just help the local guys doing small races and uh, not making a million dollars out of this stuff. So here's number one. Number one, as Bevan just said, enter early. Uh, and, and maybe that race director I know <laughs> probably shouldn't allow entries um, that uh, go like Two days before the race and still allowing people to enter. And but but the race route I know is like me with my business. They want the money. <laughs> yeah. And then still allowing people to enter after the fact that the entries are closed. We have
0: this with my business because we basically
1: do an early bird.
0: Yeah. And then the next one like a week before, you've got to get sign up. And then we have to, up to and then you always, always get people who want to join after the fact. And um and Joe my <laughs> wife's hard ass, she's like, Nope, the next time, and I'm like, babe. You know, it's, it's our business. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so it's always a dilemma, isn't it? It is. So enter early, help out the local race director. Okay, second one, and this can
0: be frustrating. Just spend five minutes knowing the course.
1: And if uh, this is not talking about my friend who's the race director. No, no, of course not. It's a bit different if the race is really unorganised and they don't actually publish the course very well yeah. and it's not that clear. But as long as they've got all the information, get your shit together. No, what course. Because like, I don't know the area. Do you expect yeah. me to drive it? Uh, yeah. Because uh, ma-
0: map's not really going to help you.
1: No, that's true. It, it, yeah, In this instance, so for, for example, this race director I know who had a race last weekend. Oh, no, really? Yeah. Sounded like a uh, horsey a uh, The run course was not complicated, but you had to do two long laps and one short lap. Okay, to know which, that. And so to, to know that sort of level, how many laps am I doing... And, and did some people
0: end up doing three long laps?
1: Well, no. In the, in the short course race, um, the first two females that were actually won the race overall as well uh, came running down the finishing chute and crossed the line. I was like, I'm sure they've only done one lap. I went, have you done one lap or two? One. I said, get back out there. <laughs> and wait, they're hanging around and... Oh, no, they just crossed the line. She was on her hands on knees and everything. I said, you've got another lap. You've got to run back up that hill and get back around the course. I oh, no. said, so know the course. Number um, three. This, number three. This, this race director said this wasn't really an issue this weekend, but oh, it can be. Yep. Um, respecting marshals and officials. And one tip I give to people is maybe once you're done racing, if there's some marshals around, maybe go and buy them a coffee or get them a cold drink or something like that. Yep. Just pay it forward a little bit. Um, becu- oh, yeah, big time. Because yeah, they're standing out in the sun. and are giving up their time for you to have... Exactly. So, um, have a bit of a think about those marshals. And if you ever abuse a marshal, man, I'm dQing you. For, well, no, this race director is going to dQ for your race and going to get a stern talking. How often to, marshals get abused? Uh, it's probably not. It's, it's probably in the instance where maybe there's a big lineup of traffic or something okay. like that, and and they're probably doing their best to manage it, and they're just you know the they're in the a bit manager. of a no-win situation. Yeah. Um, I guess, and also probably with draft marshals, if they pull a draft. Yeah, no, nobody's ever drafting, are they?
0: No. Uh, uh, no, no. Everyone in jail is innocent. Exactly. Yeah. Um, okay, number four, uh, help out someone who looks clueless or scared shitless. And, and what we're meaning here is, if you see someone who's a bit new to it, and, and to me, it's not just help them out. Make them feel welcomed. Mm. You know, like it's, it's going into any new world there's always these kind of things you need to know. Like, I remember, like, I'd never swam in a squad in my life. Mm. Getting in for my first swim squad. I didn't know what the heck was happening. And, you mm. know, they're writing things on the board, and my husband's going next to me. Oh, man, what does it mean? And, you know, and, you're, and you're, yeah. you're totally lost. Now, I was a fit guy, and I'm very social, so it's pretty easy for me. I'm not afraid. But for a lot of people, they come to these events, and it might be their first time, mm. and a yeah, really good example From my life When I first Joined a gym I'd never been to a gym before And I, I, I started going to a gym By myself And I always remember A guy called John A really lovely guy Great name Great great name uh, And he just he was the first member Not not someone who worked At the gym Just came up and said Hey man Can I see you Come along and, and then started Introducing me to other people mm-hmm. And that, that little engagement With John Really helped me Get involved in the world mm-hmm. And I always think that You know Often we get these little Cliques that we That we hang out Absolutely. with And, and you know, one of the things that's really important is that when you see new people in your world, open the door to them. Say, hey, mate, come on. I see you new here. Come meet this guy over here. and mm. that, It's a social engagement that actually keeps people in the sport. Mm. And so, you know, don't just kind of make them feel kind of you know, give them some education or Mm -hmm. or support them through
1: setting up their bike and stuff but also just if you see someone who's a bit new to the world go up and introduce yourself it's a simple thing number five, and again I didn't have too much of an issue with oh no, that race director apparently didn't have too much of an issue with this at the weekend, but has in the past littering, just don't do it one of the
0: the best ones ever was when somebody emailed us saying you littered in the race yeah I wasn't happy about that And they went at you big time And then John went back Big time in the email And then and they went back And said I was only joking Yeah I'm <laughs> sure you were <laughs> Okay So that's a high five Anything else That uh, that you as a race director You want to add to this
1: No No That's I think that's a good high five
0: I, I, I will add one Yes Just support your local races Yes You know Like Even if you're off peak If mm. you can just go on And do the race You know, then, you know Just get amongst And them. if you're not do doing it, it
1: Go and help out for a change Yeah You know, it is good stuff. Okay, John, we're going to interview. We have. So Anna-Marie Watson, I'll do a bit of an intro that you're going to hear in a moment, and she's an ultra runner, also does triathlons, so we're trying to get that angle between difference between doing ultras and doing 70.3s, and she also uh, is a bit of an expert in the area of the power of the mind and how a lot of us uh, don't necessarily pay enough attention to that. We train our nuts off, um, but often don't think about the mind side of things. We talk about that a bit as well. Here we go. Okay, guys, uh, on this week's show, we actually had an email from an uh, interviewee's uh, husband a few weeks ago. Uh, ben, I'm going to pronounce his surname wrong, Salah. <laughs> <laughs> he said on uh, last week's show, which was 643, that was a few weeks ago now, we had uh, Anna Marie Watson down as your wanger of the week, mainly due to her 20 hour plus run in Oman. Her to- total time was actually 26 plus hours, but the Garmin died after 22 hours. Uh, she's number. Uh, one of the number of ultra runners who has picked up wanger of the week recently and I'm always amused by John's incomprehension on why, how um, people do these runs. Maybe you should get an ultra runner on the show to chat this over and ask them why they run that far, how they do it and how they balance it all with triathlons. Mm -hmm. So we've got Anna Marie Watson on today and she is one person who does balance doing some tries. She got 13th uh, at the world, 70.3 champs last year, gets on the podium at races uh and last year was ranked seventh in the Ultra Trail World uh running series and also got a bunch of other things going on um which we're gonna talk about as well. So welcome along to the show, uh Anna Marie.
2: Thank you so much. It's actually great to be, be on. I'm, I'm kind of feeling quite honoured to be able to geek crush um, IM talk, I have to say, from an ultra-running perspective.
1: Oh, very good. Now we'll talk, we can talk some triathlon as well. So give, give us a bit of your, your background in terms of uh, from an a- athletic point of view and, and where it all started and how you've got to where you are now.
2: So it's been a little bit of a roller coaster ride. Um, I have to say that my father still takes all due credit for where I am. Um, he was a, a one of those fell runners back in the 80s who used to run up and down um, mountains in the Lake District in the UK. So I spent a lot of my childhood sat in a car waiting for him to finish, usually in the rain. And I vowed that I would never, ever do anything like that. Clearly, fast forward a few years, um, I'm kind of pretty much um, there though I have to admit back at school I hated PE I just detested it I used to schedule my piano lessons during it um, just to avoid playing netball or hockey or anything else that generally involved a ball and was a team sport however I, I did love the outdoors I was very active complete tomboy um, and was always kind of out and about exploring and um, you just could not keep me inside and um, I joined the military um, after I'd been to university and there was that kind of that bit of a misnomer. Well, you you're in the army. You must be super fit, yeah. um, which I have to let you into a little secret. is completely not true. <laughs> um, and I am definitely far fitter now than I ever was when I was back in the green machine, though I could you know, knock out a respectable half marathon. And I did my first marathon back in 2004, which was the London Marathon, which is a bit of a rite of passage for um, a lot of people within the UK and did very little training and I got a bigly respectable time under four hours and kind of the next year I was like well maybe if I did a bit of training I might actually be all right um half an hour of my time but I'd never really enjoyed the whole running on roads um so I I was lucky to get a um some time off work and went off and did um, the Everest marathon in Nepal and that was you know my first you know proper big trail race up in the mountains and you know i've I've spent a lot of time in the mountains in the French Alps, and it was just it's just something else just being up there and that is definitely one of the main attractions for me is the kind of the getting away um from the built environment from the roads from the tarmac and just kind of being being in that um environment and i just i just then kind of dipped my toe in an ultra and i I kind of my first one was back in 2008 and i kind of went for one of the meaty ones straight away and we can kind of talk about that and pack it a bit more later on Um, And this is almost where my kind of triathlon and running um, combine. Um, When I lived in the Middle East, it was just too hot to run. It was miserable. So I actually bought myself a bike. And buying that bike um i don't know maybe some of your listeners know that first kind of getting your first bike and how it's just a complete new world and how everything just kind of opens up from all the technical side of things and getting out and it's just a massive big learning process that just opens up so much more and then it was you know once i could run once i could bike well i might as well throw the swimming in as well which has always been my weakest link i have to admit
1: (laughs) the old Um, runners runners trying to swim it's always not always often entertaining (laughs) Uh.
2: I'm abysmal. I find it such a challenge. I was in the pool on Friday and there was uh, another girl in the lane with me and she was like a dolphin. She was just she was ringing laps around me and I just felt like a kind of blubberly wallowing kind of whale kind of splashing up and down and literally not getting anywhere at all. Yeah. So what's
1: the, um you know, how how do you sort of contrast that appeal to the outdoors in terms of, um, you know, doing these ultras and getting off the beaten track with, with triathlon, which is now becoming, you know, a lot more McDonald's like it's fairly standardized. Often the courses often, not always, uh, um, uh, you know, it's fairly straightforward and, and not overly technical and it's, it's road running. So is it a bit of a, you know, a bit of a contrast between uh, between sort of getting outdoors and, and, and the structure of triathlon?
2: Uh, massive, absolutely huge. And you know, even within the ultra running world, you do have your McDonald's of ultra running, mm-hmm. um, which is great because it gets people out, it gets people involved. So I think there's definitely very much a place for it. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I've I've done one ultra on a road and I wouldn't do another one. I know, you know, Comrades in South Africa is absolutely massive. Mm. And, you know, believe me, I've got a very long bucket list of places I want to go and places where I want to race. Comrades is not one of them. Mm. And even now, you know, I've been racing Ironman 70.3s for what? Well, I went to the World Champs back in 2013 for the first time when it was in Las Vegas. Went back to Mont Tramblon in 2014 and then did South Africa last year. And I do find it harder and harder to tear myself away from the ultra running, particularly the mountains. I love racing in the mountains mm-hmm. and getting back to, you know, the swim I struggle with anyway, the bike course, you know, sometimes you get some decent bike courses, um, but the run is generally flat. Mm-hmm. Um, it's generally laps. And yeah, I wouldn't say it particularly appeals to that in a runner. Mm.
1: So the, the, this is where I struggle. The, the 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 appeal of doing these ultras. This is what I need explained to me because I totally get going out there into these beautiful environments and uh, and having challenging course. Um, but when it comes to doing that on you know consecutive days, and when it sort of becomes and, th- and this is not disrespectful to the ultra runnings at all. When it becomes you know um, a lot of speed walking, where's the appeal for you? Because obviously the Scenery. Once I'm sure, once you're a, a day into these things, uh, the scenery is like secondary to what you're doing. You're in la la land, and you're trying to get through it. So, <laughs> so what what is the the big appeal for you to to do these really 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 long races?
2: They're all different, and and that's whether you know. Um, the, I think the reason behind doing like a multi day, or the reason for doing like a you know 100k, 100 miler, 200 miler. They're all a different type of challenge, and then when you throw the terrain as well, that adds like a different dimension to it. Mm. So, that's you know, partly with the ultra world, ultra is such a blanket umbrella term mm. that actually kind of breaking it down into the different niches within ultra, um, that's where you kind of get a little bit more context. Mm. And if you know, for me, going and doing like a hundred K in the mountains, that's kind of my sweet spot. That's what I love, you know, a bit of technical rock hopping and it's you know, it's a real challenge, but actually with a hundred K there's still an element of speed for me. Mm. Um if you're doing a hundred miler, that's you know taking up to another level and you you know you're dropping your pace and it's definitely more of a plot. And you know, you mentioned walking there and you know actually ultra running there are times where it is just a lot of ultra walking mm-hmm. and you know I very much it's part of the mindset for me it's like it's a run it's a run I am running if I can run I am running and you know if it's flat I run if it's downhill I run if it's uphill generally I'll be power walking and depending on the train I'll have poles um, and that's like a godsend when you kind of dip into the multi-day and you know there's all different formats Um, whether you're self-sufficient in carrying a load of kits or whether that's getting transported for you. Again, that's a total game changer. Um, You know, I've done Marathon de Saba a couple of times in the Sahara Desert, and that is very much about getting your kit as light as possible so that you can, you know, move as fast as possible. And, you know, ultimately for me, for me, I'm 53 kilograms. um, My pack, you know, I can't get it lighter than 7 kilograms. That's already 10% over my body weight. So that is very much impacting on my running ability style speed endurance so it's a massive big balancing game and then it's also the recovery day-to-day as well which you're kind of managing and actually it's really is that long game rather than just one day push yourself destroy yourself it's okay how can i recover for second day third day fourth day fifth day so it really is very tactical
1: so maybe just, just give us a quick pricey of um, the ultra, whole ultra sort of setup because I know just this last weekend we had this new event in New Zealand that made it onto the news called the, the Reverend and we had a, a guy that I know that um, <clears throat> tried to do it, nobody, nobody completed it, it looked like it was very much based <laughs> off the, the Barclay Marathons, you know, set a course oh, no. that, that basically nobody can do, they can have had 25 and I think I think you were supposed to do maybe two or three laps and I think most people hardly even got one lap done um yeah. so maybe maybe just talk us through you know what is defined as an ultra what what distance is the minimum requirement and maybe contrast it to triathlon, you know what's the holy grail in terms of like the kona and what are the other the the, the really key ones that um that people try to target
2: okay so i mean ultra ultimately is anything 50k plus which mm. is so generic um yeah. So, you know, a lot of people, it is from that marathon, you know, rather than just dialing my marathon time down, actually, let's go longer. Let's go further. And that's kind of you know the standard entry point. Whether you do that on road, whether you do that on trail, whether you go and do that in a desert or, I don't know, on a snowy ice cap somewhere or in the jungle, you know, the terrain and the travel is, is kind of quite a factor for it. And then once you go beyond 50K, there's the kind of you know, the 100K, 100 miler, there's now the 200 miler, which is the new 100 apparently. <laughs> um, and then you have the multi day format, whether you're self sufficient and carrying everything, um, though whether the organizers maybe, you know, they give you water or they might give you, you know, a, a shelter of some form or whether it is fully catered. So mm. the, I think that's part of the appeal. There is so much variation within the ultra community um, for you to pick. Mm. And very much there's different race series um the ultra trail world tour is you know it sets itself up as the you know the international the the the, the press it's got the prestige attached to it and within that you do have the marathon de Sable, which is one of the you know the, the the oldest um ultra uh multi-day which has been around since patrick bauer invented it back in the 70s um so that you know, is the grandfather of multi days, the toughest of the tough. Mm. Yes, there's been a lot of um, new races emerge over the last few years. Is it still the toughest? Well, you could probably debate that until um, the cows come home, to be mm. honest. Mm. Um, and then the other big ones, um you know, within Europe, you've got the UTMB, which is the Ultra Trail de Mont Blanc, which is now itself got a series of different dis- distance races, um, and that's the European scene. But then over in America, you've got, you know, Western States, Hard Rock and then you know very much Barclay has come in but you know they're all very different races um, and it almost depends what is your speciality and you know you do get some ultra runners who will you know set themselves apart as you know MDS so you've got Elizabeth Barnes for example who's an absolutely phenomenal multi-day running through the desert and she's you know got the world record for that and won it three times. Um, Or you'll go to the American scene, which in a way is very different from the European scene and, you know, the main players on that. Though you know, the Ultra World at the moment, it's it's almost I kind of compare it to how triathlon was maybe five, eight years ago, where people are beginning to get more interested and a bit like, you know, Iron Man has absolutely exploded. Mm. I think Ultra is just in that kind of time lag though, is the next few years are going to be really interesting to see how things do pan out. And ultimately, you know, race organizers, it's all a business. Mm -hmm. So the UTMB, for example, has franchised. So you can now go and do um, the UTMB version in China. And there's one in Oman, which I did at the end of last year. There's one in South America, which is in April. And I have no doubt that there will be a lot more um, coming through.
1: So, um, in terms of on a professional side of it, is uh, are there people making, or is there prize money, and and are there people good good athletes that are that are making a living out of the sport?
2: So again, a bit of a split between America and Europe. Uh, Europe, unless you're Killian Jordan, <laughs> um, right. not really prize money. Uh, very very limited, and the the Ultra World Tour races don't have prize money per se marathon to is different i was second in mds in 2015 and i got i think it was three three thousand euros mm-hmm. so it's not you know it's not it's not massive i'm yeah. you know i'm supported by a french company WAA, and they very kindly do you know travel expenses race entry mm-hmm. though that's not an income i can't mm-hmm. you know survive off that um and ultimately i i've got my own business i work freelance or associate for a couple of companies so if i'm training and if i'm traveling to race yes i do i've set my lifestyle up so a lot of it is online so i can you know talk with my coaching clients um via skype via zoom you know anywhere in the world working around time differences though ultimately if i've got a big race then that's me not owning anything for the day ultimately yeah. so i do find it interesting drawing parallels from the triathlon world into the ultra world and how that comes across it is looking as if ultra is not sure what form will be getting more recognition and it will move towards potentially um kind of get the official stamp in the lead up to kind of like an, an olympic sport mm-hmm. and how will that shift things how will that change things in the future who knows i mean a, a lot of athletes and you know in america there is more prize money i've never raced in america um so i'm, I'm not you know versus of what um the, the the kind of the price bracket is mm-hmm. um though you know for a lot of athletes it is about forming partnerships with um companies um and you know a lot of the whole brand ambassador side of things as well that kind of ripples across the the running community, but ultimately mm-hmm. that's products.
1: Exactly. Now, um, in terms of your racing, um, I know this is going to be, a, a, you know, a very varied question depending on what distance you're going for. But let, let's let's say it's maybe a hundred k which is you sort of said your speciality, maybe going through the Alps. Um, firstly, you know the training, maybe contrast that compared to say tri training. Um, is it you know similar sort of hours? What, what sort of workouts are you doing during the week? Are you just going? Massive big hikes at the weekend. Are you still doing intensities? How does how does it sort of look, and especially relative to say tri training?
2: So I'm very much caveating with this that I'm probably slightly unusual within the <laughs> running um, community, um, partly because I do dip into the triathlon world and have competed. Uh, I'm on seventy point three world champs, which I'm not aware of many of the ultra runners doing. I um, would love no. to know if there were more people out there. Um, and but but also so you know i do a lot of cross training and i i find that that really supports injury prevention and it's great just to keep things fresh mm. um i actually work with a triathlon coach danny moore um for more performance in sydney and i've when you know i started i was part of his um, kind of his crew back in 2011 when i lived in sydney and then when i moved to saudi you know i i just wanted the structure of working with a coach um so it's very much i was more triathlon than i've kind of focus more on ultras and um, though my volume is low and you know a lot of runners talk about mileage how many miles you do a week um, and it's almost like a source of pride of how much volume can you kind of cram in mm-hmm. um, and I almost feel a little bit embarrassed as to how low mine actually is um, though you know it seems to work for me um, so I was just having a little look at some of my stats actually before I jumped online and um, to have a chat and last year in 2018 basically combined everything running cycling swimming and i do quite a bit of yoga strength and conditioning as well across the year on an average like average i did seven hours a week so that's Mm. every out of 52 weeks average i did um seven hours and running wise you can break that down my lowest month i did 81 kilometers which was in Mm. january when i was properly having a rest recovery dial it back feet up Mm -hmm. um and then my biggest month was in November, where I did 286 kilometres, which in mm. itself is nothing, you know, massive. Mm. Um, so you're looking at like over the year, um, I basically ran 2,000 kilometres. Uh, yep, I cycled two and a half thousand kilometres, and I swam <laughs> a very measly <laughs> 75 kilometres. So that's not that's not big numbers. And it's more the ultra game. It builds year on year on year on year. You know, I did my first marathon back in 2004. So I've got 15 years of endurance strength. Very much the training at the beginning was not very consistent. Um, And it's been that consistency over the last five years that has really nailed it. And, you know, believe me, I've got speed sessions in there once a week religiously, which as an ultra runner may sound a little bit, unusual though actually it's dialing it back and getting that speed work and focusing on my form focusing on my technique is what then translates back to the distance particularly you know towards the end of a race when you're starting fatigue and your your form starts to go after you know 20 hours actually having that technique drilled into you over hours and hours and hours and hours and hours, and hours is what it's all about and you can kind of bring it back to the daniel Goldman's ten thousand hours of deliberate practice. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you if you do the math and link it to how long I've been training for, it that's where it all kind of starts to fit into play. This is the long game for me. And mm-hmm. it's not just a one year plan now 2019. I'm looking at you know 2020, 2021, 20, 2022, because ultimately mm-hmm. Ultras, you know, I'm out for, you know, 14 to 28 hours. There's only so many events that you can fit into a season okay mm-hmm. so what is my long game what do i want to achieve um and i want to make sure that i'm not fatiguing myself by cramming too much in and you do see quite a bit of that if you've got ultra runners who are working with brands and companies and they want exposure then it's you know get out there and race and it's mm-hmm. having that ability to kind of go actually no dial it back um because the the race of, the rate of dnfs is it it, it yeah, it does it seem to be increasing.
1: So, so how many races would you target in a season? Again, maybe saying if we look at, say, key, key races and maybe 100Ks or, or you know, round about that distance, what's what's realistic for you in a year?
2: So what wasn't realistic mm-hmm. <laughs> was the period that I had between the end of 2017 and the beginning of 2018, where within seven months I managed to cram the Ultra Trail de Mont Blanc, which is 170k, the Half Marathon de Sable Forte Ventura, which is 120k over four days, Trans Gran Canaria, which is 120k, and then the Marathon de Saab, which is 250 over six days. So that was too much. That was mm. definitely I broke. By the end of it, I was physically, emotionally, mentally spent. Mm. So that was a, was a really valuable learning experience for me um, to dial it back. And that's partly why I kind of switched back to 70.3s. It's it's just, it's gentler on the body, which I know mm-hmm. sounds ridiculous. And I did have a conversation with a friend. She was like, you're the only person I know who would say that doing a 70.3 is a rest. <laughs> um, so now, you know, looking forward to this season, I'm very much, I'm easing into it. I've got a event in Sri Lanka in April, Ultra X, which is 250, Um, self-sufficient but they carry your stuff for you which sounds very civilized Mm -hmm. then in June I've got 120k in Lavaredo I've got 120 at the end of August and then I've got a 160k Mm -hmm. mid-October so that six-week gap between August and October that is tight so I really need to be super careful as to how I dial back one of the races and which is my which is my a race ultimately
1: So you obviously an experienced campaigner now um, but tell us about some of the lessons you've learned you know especially in those early years you know because we'll always have listeners that are that are maybe want to do look for that next challenge and a bit like you you know I'm sure you made uh, a number of errors in those early races or, or things that you learned from and would have changed in hindsight so maybe talk us through you know your first couple of years of your ultra running career and and what you learned what you do differently and um and yeah the key lessons for you
2: <laughs> my my first ultra was was hilarious i look at the pictures now and just think what were you doing uh-huh, <laughs> um so yeah lots of lessons of what i did wrong first time round so first time round did very little training um <laughs> it's so number
1: one training. do some training <laughs>
2: so yeah there was very little training and then there was very little specific training um so I was living in Newcastle um and the event was in the French Alps and I'd done no training out in the big mountains and if you're looking at a mountain event it is very much about getting the ascent and the descent getting the vert in your Mm -hmm. legs and building the strength in your legs which I just did not have in the slightest um The kit that I had was pretty basic and elementary, though, to be fair, over the last 11 years, the kit that's available has has improved a lot. Um, And I just had no concept of timing, pacing, heart rate anything really i kind of just went into this it's into this like little naive bubble which actually was probably a great place to be i somehow i'm not quite sure where from i had the confidence i was going to get around i knew i was going to finish i was going to finish there was no way i wasn't and i literally hit every single cut off they were shutting the checkpoints around (laughs) me they were packing the tables down and putting the food away and I kind of remember trying to find you know the odd bit of melon or cheese that was still left and I literally scraped in under the cutoff time but I finished yeah. um, and I learned a lot of lessons about kit, about nutrition but also actually about myself and a lot of it is that mental Side of it, I I knew I was going to finish. <laughs> God knows where from. Yeah. Um, but it's it, a lot of it. It is. It's 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 ninety percent mental. I think you know. I hear the stat being bounded around. When you're out there, it's your head that is going to stop you from finishing, and that is what is going to you're going to have that internal kind of struggle with. And it's all about training the mind so that you set yourself up for success. You know, we talk a lot about training. We talk a lot about nutrition. Um, and kit and you know particularly trainers runners have an absolute obsession with they're actually how much do we talk about training the mind and how much time do we put aside to train the mind as well
1: so what what it's easy to say train the mind, but how, how do you actually go about doing that? Is that about um, getting an expert like yourself in to, to work with with individuals? Or, you know, what tips have you got for somebody who's just sitting there, okay, she's just said train my mind, how the hell do I go about doing that? You know, what, what are some of the steps um, that you suggest people actually take to try to work on their mind game?
2: So, I mean, there's a couple of um you know techniques that anybody can do um and for the the racing wise i'd very much bring that into your training i had a a conversation with a client and we were talking through some race strategies um, some mental race strategies and it was okay so when you're racing what do you think about um and she's like oh I don't really know. I was like, okay, so breaking it down, you know, how much time are you focused on your body, your awareness, your breathing? Where, how much are you aware of the path in front of you, where you're placing your foot? How much are you aware of, you know, your thoughts? And are they positive? Are they negative? Um, how are you encouraging yourself? How are you monitoring yourself? How you're feeling? what your heart rate is, you know, a bit of data self-quantification, you know, what is your pace? When is it how far is it to the next checkpoint? How much further have you got to go distance wise? You know, there's a lot of stuff that you can be thinking about. And she's like, Oh, I don't I don't know. Maybe um maybe like forty percent of my mind's just kind of wondering. And then the other kind of um I don't know, 30%, I'm probably being a bit negative and down about myself. And then that kind of final remaining 30%, I'm kind of being like, yeah, a bit positive and focused. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. there's there's definitely a little bit of switch we can do there um, in, those, in those percentages. And how do you manage your thoughts? How do you have that internal self-talk while you are racing? And yes, you know, you bring it back to your training. You know, if you kind of go out on a Daily basis, and you're doing your training, and you've got your session. Though actually, your mind's still in the office, or it's what you need to do after your session. Actually, how quality is that time? A for the physical workout, though B for the the mental aspect of it, because it's ultimately where you're paying attention to. What are you focusing on? Is when you start getting the performance.
1: Mm. Oh, I think I totally agree that people are not, um, yeah, dedicating enough time to actually thinking about their racing, and, and often go th- go through the motions and training, hit the numbers, and happy with that, but but not giving too much uh, too much thought outside of that. So so that, I was going off on a tangent there, sort of. So so talking through, you know, that, those first races, um, um, <laughs> e- any any other sort of things, yeah, you know, in, in terms of your you're pacing, you sort of mentioned that you didn't do any specific um, training for it, but, you know, over the years, how have you learned to sort of pace yourself through the events, you know, especially when they're up and down events, you know, when we do our flat triathons, often we have, um, right, I'm going to run it at X, X minutes per kilometre, or I'm going to run at XYZ heart rate. <clears throat> you know, how are you pacing yourself through these, um, you know, especially the up and down
2: uh, ultras? So... I kind of bring it back in a way to what the train is like and how much kit am I carrying? Um, I know that if I'm doing a hundred K, you know, you, you have a kit list. Um, so you're, and you're definitely carrying about a liter of water. So I'm definitely carrying uh, two, three kilograms of weight on my back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll do all my training with that as much as possible, you know, apart from the you know, next sessions, but any that's kind of replicating the race, I'll, I'll be carrying that weight. um, and i know just from experience that if i'm going out and i'm on a basic you know a flat trail nothing too complex technical technical wise i know that i can maintain 515s um per k pace so um that is regardless of whether it's at k20 k60 k 100 k 110. and so i know that i can dial into that and actually having that as a figure to focus on if you're kind of your mind starting to wonder and you're feeling a little bit tired, I can bring it back. Okay. What, what pace am I doing? Right. We're slipping. <laughs> get a wiggle on and bring it mm. back to that 550. Cause just because I've raced, you know, so many races, I know that I can maintain that. So that is a, you know, like a target, a goal for me to get back to if, when I'm on the flat. Um, if I am ascending again, through practice and training, I know what my ascent rate is per hour so if it is going over 850 I can't maintain that Mm -hmm. um so it's about dialing it back and then depending on if it's you know I'm starting to kind of just take my after ball and be a little bit lazy if it's going down to like you know 600 I'll kind of ramp up but it's also looking at my heart rate as well and what my zones are Mm -hmm. so I'll know you know what what does what is my heart rate and what can I maintain over a 24 hour period and if it's going too high then it's about just dialing the pace and bringing it back so it is it's very much using the data but it's also listening into my body it's about feel and Mm -hmm. I very much encourage people to have an awareness of their body um, and their breathing as well you can tell so much about someone's breathing Mm
1: -hmm. and that
2: breath work as well really focuses the mind if you're starting to get just a little bit of a flap or the world is not a very happy place just pause and breathe and it sounds so simple. And when you see it on paper as well, you're like, that's so simple. Though actually when you're out there and you've been out there for you know, 20 hours and you've lost a toenail and it's raining and you've got another 6K to the next checkpoint, it, it, it's, it's that mental battle to bring yourself back, to stop, to pause, to breathe, to focus on the task in hand and to take that next step.
1: Mm. Um, yeah, so Ben Ben did mention, you know, the mental side of things, and we've started going into that. But I do, you know, on your website, I know you, it looks like you do a lot of work with businesses as well. But any other avenues you want to discuss around the the mental side of things, and any other tools that um, you can recommend for people to use, other than obviously coming and uh, booking in some sessions with yourself. Um, <laughs> what well, any, any other advice you'd give to listeners for for either ultras or or tries or or anything like that.
2: So just I just love to mention um the concept of flow um which is a a big kind of area which came out of the positive psychology world and um, Mihai Csikszentmihalyi which is an amazing Australian um surname um he he was um back in the 70s he did a lot of research around it about the state of flow and peak performance and he kind of breaks it down really nicely um and how you access it and there's been a lot of work within the neuroscience world as well with the discoveries they've made the way with you know the imaging on the brain and how our neurons fire um and there's now the flow genome project which um is headed up by stephen cotler and jamie wheel and i definitely recommend that your listeners kind of check that out if it's all about accessing this moment of flow where you know pretty much everything stops time stands still and it's that perfect moment where everything just kind of Effortlessly and seamlessly falls into place, and it's that state where actually you are five times more effective at what you're doing, which is an amazing number. If you're thinking, okay, if I can get into the state, I can be five times more effective at, at running. How is this improving my performance? My God, it's massive. So there's a, a load of stuff on the website. They've got a load of videos, and um, it's very much linked to the kind of the adventure sports world. Um, but ultimately it is how it, it comes from the brain and how can you access this state quicker? How can you maintain it for longer? And if you're kind of feeling it slip How can you bring it back? Because ultimately it's about that perfect moment that when you are running along or cycling along or swimming along Personally, I'm not quite sure I'm gonna access it swimming at this moment in time. <laughs> so we, we could work on it um, That that is what it what it is all about.
1: How, how much time f- for you, are you, you know, in a race, are you able to spend in that sort of state? You know, does it sort of come and go? And is it obviously more difficult to get in there later in the race? But but how often are you there um, when you're doing a, you know, a crazy long race?
2: It's it's an elusive beast. Sometimes it just isn't there. Yeah. And sometimes it's one of those that if you kind of force it, it gets ever, ever more difficult as it retreats into the distance so it is it's a it's a really kind of quite intangible concept um I mean I've had some races where I've just floated along I literally there was one in the Cotswolds um in the UK which it just I it was I mean it was a shorter one it was only a 50k and it was like six hours um though it was it it was pretty much most of the time and yeah, yeah, you know, you kind of come in and out and, you, you know, you need to make sure that you're kind of drinking and eating properly or else splat is gone, um, mm. hit the ball. Though, you know, it's, just, it's in the mind. Um, and yeah, during a longer race, towards the end of a race, it can get more challenging to kind of hunt out. Though in Oman, um, which was a a really tricky 137 kilometer and it's been nicknamed the the beast from the Middle East. (laughs) Um, Lots of technical rock hopping. Um, Towards the end of that, it, it just all fell into place. And it's, it's, it's about getting your training right. That's where it comes back to. And I, I in within my daily just practice, I have an element of, you know, mindfulness meditation in the morning and if you look at a lot of high performers across the world, regardless of that is within the business world, whether that's in the creative arts or athletes, actually a lot of people do have that mindfulness to set themselves up for the day integrated within their morning routines.
1: Mm, very good. So so um, it's always fascinating to find out uh, these areas where – I just watch these ultras and I'm just wondering what the hell's going on out there. So, you've, uh, <laughs> you've, you've enlightened us. If, if people want to find out more about what you do um, and, and follow you and, and some of your, as well as some of your um, mindfulness um, coaching and so on, where, where can they follow you and find out more?
2: So, um, I, I, I'm all over social media, um, be that Twitter or Instagram. Um, so, my business is called Reach for More um and it is at rfm coaching so at rfm coaching exactly the same on instagram twitter um i'm on facebook as well just anna marie watson um i don't know, linkedin and it's and, it, and for me it's it's about bringing all those different spheres of your lives together i think we sometimes very much compartmentalize our life our training our racing our work Whereas for me, it's all about performance across all of the avenues. And actually, what can I bring as an athlete, this athletic mindset into the business world? What can I draw on from my military career and bring that into my training? You know, the discipline, um, the determination, the perseverance, the grit. And then how does that translate back into the business world? So, you know, some of my clients, they, they're ultra runners. Some of them are athletes, They kind of, that's their thing. Others, it's, it's, it's not. Though actually all these mental techniques and tools and attitudes and approaches which ultimately translate into behavior and communication that links perfectly back to the business world because ultimately it's all about improving performance across your life yeah
1: fantastic awesome all the very best with your upcoming uh events and uh we hope to see you continue to dabble in and out of the uh the triathlon world and uh and all the best for the for the rest of the the british winter
2: Oh, don't! That's cruel. I keep getting um, messages from Danny, my coach. It's twenty-four degrees, and it's only seven o'clock in the morning. I'm like, yeah, yeah that's not healthy. So, like, I'm no. helping get you more mentally tough by sending you these messages. I'm like, that's really not helping.
1: Just return the favour in the middle of your summer. <laughs> awesome. Exactly. Thanks for your time.
2: Cheers.
0: <laughs> now, John, I haven't heard the interview, but one of the power of the mind strategies I've been practicing lately. Is um, self discipline for self discipline's sake, and I actually yeah. talk about this in my podcast. So, so because often when we think about self discipline, we're thinking about the gain. Mm-hmm. So, let's say you want to lose weight. If I have mm-hmm. self discipline around my diet, they'll help me lose weight. Um, if I have self discipline in my training, it means I get a better result in my race. But I've been working on this whole idea of just self discipline for self discipline's sake, and it's been really, it's been a really good kind of mind tool to work mm-hmm. through, and it's something that maybe as you're listening to this you may want to think about. It's just kinda choose one thing in your life. So one thing I did last week. um, Coke Zero is my biggest weakness. Mm -hmm. And but I have seen the evidence of this. Yeah, yeah, totally, it definitely is. But my, my kind of my life is during the week I don't have it Coke Day Friday, and if we have functions, I'll oh, have Coke yeah. Zero. So I'm actually pretty controlled with it, except when I'm out of my – so if I go away. So if I go away, like when we go to Kona, I'm knocking it back, on not There's about three, four cans a day. Yeah, at least. Um, and so so when I go away, I also kind of go, you know what? When you're away. So this week when I was in Auckland, I was been up in Auckland for last week, I said to myself, just as a practice of self-discipline, for nothing other than just practicing self-discipline, I'll do it. And it was a really interesting thing to do because I – you know, a there's three. I talked about some my, my own podcast the other day, but there were three things that came through. First of all, Coke is everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, and and it's really interesting when you've got something that you're trying to remove from your life through self discipline. How good it is at, at presenting itself to you, mm-hmm. and you know, Coca Cola is obviously one of the biggest brands in the world, so you got that factor. But even like one of my favourite podcasts. He loves Coke Zero as well, and he talked mm-hmm. about it on the show. So Coke had sent him all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And and on this week, when I'm trying to, you know, <laughs> you know, it was just amazing. And because often we like people who are trying to lose weight. It's like food's a hard one because you have to have food. Mm-hmm. And it's always present. And there's always some function you've got to go to and all of these mm-hmm. things. So that was the first thing. And uh, What was the second thing that I learned? Um, uh, you've got to use strategies what was the second thing. What was the third one? I can't remember. But there's just real good lessons that you learn from these kind of self-inflicted kind of self-discipline. Now, am I going to stop Coke Zero? No, I'll still go back to my normal rules. But it was a good little kind of mind tool to practice. So maybe those listening to this, maybe you want to choose one area
1: for a week that you're going to just practice self-discipline in. The other thing is just what Anna-Marie was sort of saying is you just got to have a bit of a think before you go into the race what your mental process is going to be as you're going through. I think most people just go into the race, have done the training and they're just either consciously or subconsciously just hope for the best. It's all going to happen. Mm. Well, most of the time in an Ironman, you're going to have a rough patch at least somewhere um, and how are, you going to, how are you going to deal with that and how are you actually going to you know, plan your day? And planning your day can often be... Um, you know, having some chill out periods and thinking right I really want to try to relax my mind on the bike so just, just having a bit of a think about how you're mentally going to get through the day as well as physical so thanks Anne-Marie for your content you have not, uh, you've not enlightened us in terms of the ultra world but it still does not appeal to me personally going running 100 to 160 kilometres just doesn't do it for me but I understand why people do it massive challenge, beautiful scenery often but it does not appeal to me yeah, but horses, of course, isn't it? Oh, oh totally, yeah, totally, absolutely. Because a lot of people are going to go, doing an Ironman? Man, Doesn't
0: mean <laughs> uh, Okay, let's do winger of the Week. Wanger of the Week.
1: Now, this week we're going to do our leading female on the Wanger of the Week, Marie Hill from Christchurch. She climbs it. She cranked it. She took a week off work and she did uh, 28 hours training. Was it just to be the winger of the Week? It was just to be the Wanger of the Week. She did get cleaned cleaned out by a couple of guys. One went, Daniel uh, Paravov went 37 hours and 37 minutes, and Mick McGonigal went 34 hours. But Marie was our leading female with 28 hours and 55 minutes. What's she training for? Iron Man New Zealand. (sighs) She's putting the hard yards in. Don't overtrain. No, it's perfect timing. Perfect timing. timing. Yeah, Number one out. Yeah, she's getting up. She's getting. She's she's on, on track. She's on track.
0: Good times, rock and
1: roll. Okay, uh, questions, questions and answers. answers.
0: Okay, good old dirty little
1: rascal. No, it's
0: no, it's not. What is his name?
1: Uh oh, D- dirty little secret or dirty little rascal. Dirty little secret. Is it? I think. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Thierry
0: Th- Uh He's got. The, the, last week, you guys were talking about the Costa Triathlon. It was great to hear about the Costa Triathlon from the guy in Dubai, Finn. Uh, and his trips to Ironman Worlds and the 70.3 Worlds. I qualified for the ITU Worlds, which are conveniently held for me in Lucerne. Well, to enter the sprint distance, it cost me over 200 or cost 275 euros. This is just ridiculous. I'm wondering how
1: this price, is it this price for all nations? And my answer to that is that's pretty standard for the ITU Worlds. Uh, for a so, sprint. Yep. But that's the thing. Do you value every kilometre you do or do you value the experience and the event itself? So, I, yeah, I often laugh at this, like you'll throw 1000 bucks at an Ironman entry. Yeah, but you, you're out there for 10 hours. Yeah. But Sprint, you're an hmm But it can be an equally as awesome experience. So I understand it is a lot of money, but Terry, you're not being shafted. It's the same as what everybody pays and what people, when they go to ITU World's they, it's not a cheap experience oh, really not because that's just entry fees so, it's entry fee. so your uniform you've got to get all the uniform you've got to do this that and the other thing you've and got to the get uniforms
0: that, the uniforms are basically profit making for the for the organisations aren't they
1: um, come on to a degree but most organisations are just hard up I, I don't give them grief about that I don't think they're, they're not rolling in the cash yeah. they're trying to pay some stuff so yeah going to ITU Worlds is not a uh, not a cheap deal what do you reckon the cost Oh, like if from New Zealand well for people I know that a lot of local people they went from Christchurch over to Gold Coast last year and it was a significant amount of money when you consider for us to fly over there is few hundred bucks um and you think you could probably do a decent holiday for a, I don't know, a couple of grand um but i think it was a lot more for a lot of people Pri- combination prices ramp up you got team costs you got everything so i reckon i actually do think the time makes a difference it, well it does i mean 275 euro versus what six or seven hundred euro for uh, an Ironman mm. uh, i do because i do think you kind of
0: go a sprint distance what so what are you doing three four hundred meter swim what mm-hmm. 20k bike uh what it seven no
1: 750 bike 20k bike 5k run okay so yeah you're you're out there for an hour to an hour 10 for yeah. most people for the faster people so that's it's a it's <laughs> it's yeah. long yeah no i agree it is a lot Yeah, but it's it's normal for itu worlds okay well, there you go terry so you're not being screwed but you
0: are being screwed now Corey ward actually a few people sent this through he through an article that i actually saw on on the internet before you know and sent it through so did you read it I have read it. pretty fascinating stuff. So it's basically the New York Times have written an article, a long form piece.
1: And apparently uh, it wasn't like it just in, hidden in the, the back pages. It was a big books. article. Yeah. Uh, well, I found
0: it on, on a website called Dig, which I go to. Yeah. Which, you know, so yeah, it got on that site. And, um, so basically the basic premise was that when John Collins did the first Man, to kind of screw the insurance companies, he basically said, everyone's an owner. So, you know, we're all...
1: It wasn't, it wasn't to screw the insurance companies. It was so nobody could sue... Yeah, them it was like personal for, liability. Nobody could sue the, them as the organisers. Yeah. You signed up and you are all part of this. Yeah, so it was
0: basically like your your entry is you... So you you are kind of a part of the organisation for that reason. you sort of on the And it was basically so, so he had no liability, basically. Mm. And, you, yeah, this is 1978? Eight? Eight, eight, 78, 76, 78, 78. yeah. Um, you know, so and it's just him and twelve other guys doing, you know, mm-hmm. an adventure weekend, really. Um So then, what happened was, first couple of years the Collins ran it, and then they mm-hmm. passed it over to Valerie Silk, mm-hmm. and Valerie Silk really made it to what it was. You know, yep. she, she really did. But then there's a guy called now what was his name? John Dun Dunbar, and he was one of the originals. I he think he was finished second. second both first two years. Yeah, yeah. Um, ex Navy Seal, I think he was. He was, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, he's basically, and we've never known this,
1: have we? I think we have before, but not to this level of detail that the New York Times has gone into. Yeah, so basically what happened was, he basically went and said once they sold it,
0: and I think it was when Valerie sold it, or or earlier, he was like, back it up, we own this. Mm -hmm. Because the original people who did this race are the owners of the race, not the Collins. Mm -hmm. It wasn't necessarily theirs to pass on. And... uh, and the lawsuit, basically, it's a great piece. I'll put a link to it in the show notes, so make sure you go read it. It's a its a really fascinating piece. Um,
1: ultimately, they didn't win the lawsuit. But they cost Valerie Silk a huge amount of money, and I remember interviewing her. Oh, so she, she spent
0: a lot of money on the lawsuit, did she? Oh,
1: yeah. I mean, she sold sold it, but I did not think she, no, she made, made no much money, no. any out, out of it at all, which is really shame because she put her heart and soul into it. And we know that it's making a lot of money now, but this but guy... She, sold it. she only sold it for like two or three mil.
0: Yeah, Yeah, in the article they said that. So so Mm. she sold it and then the next, the the, the organisation, the the dentist. and The dentist from Florida. I think they sold it for like 50, 60 mil. Mm -hmm. And
1: then the last time it sold for about 650 mil. Mm. So there has been a lot of money that's changed hands. And this guy, John Dunbar, sounds like he's a prolific litigator. Sounds like a pain in the ass really, doesn't he? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Although don't don't sue me. I'm just saying, sounds uh, like allegedly. Yeah, but... I don't, uh, maybe legally he has, uh, or it doesn't sound like he has a leg to stand on, um, I can understand their point, but really, you haven't, you've, you've done the first event, you yeah, haven't invested no. and in and it. And
0: he hadn't contributed.
1: No, and and my response to that would be, is if the event had lost money in years, would you have paid up um, for that? Yeah, true. And I bet he'd be going, oh no, 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 So I, it was an interesting, uh, interesting article.
0: Yeah, I, I, he just sounds a bit like an opportunist, doesn't he? Mm. Yeah, because... You know, the first few years it was just twelve people, hmm. and then then Collins passed it on, hmm. and Valerie. You know, I'm sure a lot of other people, as long as as well as Valerie, built it into really. Like no, I wouldn't actually, Siri. No, just leave your um, phone online. line. Oh, you, yeah. God, he's just, just, just listening. It. To They're, it. listening. You can't They're listening. they They're listening. Um, but yeah, yeah, he just seems like an opportunist. He does. Although, in saying that, Gordon Heller, all the originals, most of the originals. We were with them at first mm-hmm. and over time they've kinda of lost it. But good really interesting piece. I'll put a link to it in dub 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 me.
1: Last one, we're not going to talk about this too much because I just wanted to give a plug for Torsten's uh, latest post. He's dived into the uh, prize money list um, for last year looking at it and we know we've discussed this before but it's just an interesting read. Um, one thing that I did take out of it, WTC um, prize money pros has gone down $500,000 in the last two years. That's disappointing, isn't that it? That is very disappointing. I wonder um, how much...
0: It's, so that's great, great insight. How many more entries have they had? Mm. Yeah, how much more money? You know, what's the, you know, so.
1: So go check it out on tryrating.com and he looks at all the prize money. Again, we've talked about this quite a few times before. It's pretty disappointing when you see how few people are making such little money uh, in the sport from a prize money point of view. So good work, Torsten. As always, go to tryrating.com.
0: Okay, John, let's do with some patrons.
1: James, the wise one, Botel. Not
0: James, the wise one, he's a big family man nowadays. He's got see? He's got kids and, yeah, he's doing great. We've got Richard, uh, don't mess with the scary beer, Weddington, And Gareth, the mighty Flynn. Flynn. If you want to be a sponsor, oh, sorry, if you want to be a sponsor, let us know who is <laughs> for sponsors. Sponsors are Extreme Endurance, your lactic buffer, and our patrons. And if you want to be a patron, go to dub, dub, dub I am and it's all very clear on the website. Also, you support Bevan John on the show and you're going a chance to win a draw to come to Colonel fast in 2020, which would be pretty cool. Um, if you want coaching, go to coachjohnyerson.com. I've actually released my latest podcast, which I've got some really cool feedback on. So if you enjoy my podcast, you can go to bevanjamesisles.com or look for the Bevan James Isles show in your podcast feed. Uh, and you want to send us content, such as age group or week, call cool websites or feedback, email imtalkpodcast at gmail.com.
1: John. Your goss. my gosh, um, we had the race your classic last weekend that was awesome, beautiful, hot day, stinking hot day, actually. what time that of day do you do it? We start at eight thirty and it, you think that might be the coolest part of the day, but in Christchurch that day it was up to about twenty eight I think by the time they were on the bike, yeah. so it was toasty, and then it cooled off in the and afternoon. the girls took oh, it honestly. out. Uh, in the sprint distance race, uh, yeah. we had a couple of females take that out. Uh, we had a really good women's race. We had Dylan McNeese racing on the boys' side. he uh, won? He did, not by a huge, huge margin. So he's just. Well, how uh, is Dylan? How's he getting along? He's plugging away. He's getting back into it. He we was doing Challenge Monica and I Man New Zealand. Okay, nice. um, and then, yeah, we had a good race on the, the the female side. We had a girl who'd been in Christchurch for two days and she won it. Um, she took off on the run. And I said to the timing people, Good luck with her keeping that pace up. And she did. did. And oh, she really? ran from, I don't know, fifth up to the one. So it was good times. Um, this week for me, Bevan, just getting back into a steady groove of it. Uh, and we've got a junior program starting this week, which is going to be great. It's going to be nice hot weather. Kids are school on, still on school holiday. Constantly making my adjustments to the guinea pig area. Uh. Guinea pigs are going well, but we've, uh, I've got to build a bit of a cover for them. We've got a pesky cat that comes around, so I've got to... <laughs> Build a cover so they can be outside during the day and be hitting the swimming pool lots this week. Have you? Mm. When's the race? Oh, no, I asked swimming pool at home. Oh. <laughs> did you well, you I did hit the swimming pool this morning, to crank out my 3.6 with the team. I went for a swim last week.
0: Did you? 2K? Nice. Oh, it's been a while since I've done 2K. Yeah. I just, I just forget how fatiguing swimming is. So because my friend Lisa in Auckland, she does CrossFit and in CrossFit they have some swimming. So whenever I'm not, she goes, go for a swim. So I go for a swim. So I head to the pool and they had a set up on the board. So I thought I'll do two suitcase here. And, uh, you know, it was fine. I got through it. And, uh, and then luckily I didn't have to go for work for like three hours after that because I walked back to my hotel. Oh, I crashed. Yeah, dehydrated. you very
1: dehydrated swimming. Oh man, I was just fatigued. Mm. But I didn't enjoy it. I'll tell you what I'm looking forward to this morning. Going into your fridge and taking some dark chocolate before I go off my bike ride. Right? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Just going <laughs> <laughs> to take some of my dark chocolate. Yeah. Um, when's Wanaka? Wanaka is, what must be, about three weeks away. Have we heard about of of uh, I know that Starkowitz is racing. Andrew Starkwitz, I think he's coming down. I saw his name on Ironman New Zealand. Uh, he's doing that. Braden must uh, be. Braden Curry, I believe. Um, Dylan McNeese. Okay. Uh, and, and Laura Siddell on the females. And there's somebody... Oh, uh, and... Um, Meredith Kessler is doing the oh, is okay. doing that as well. So a few people are obviously coming down to do to do the double. Um, oh, back it up! I'm on the website, John. Look at that. Oh, there you go. Oh, it's a great website. Great website. Great website. That's about it, Bevan. What's happening in your world?
0: Um, John, John, John. I did have a really weird experience this week. Mm-hmm. I was up in Auckland for Les Mills doing my filming stuff, and Les Mills have gone. Making some changes, yeah, because uh, of the on-demand stuff. So uh, the, traditionally, what Les Mills you guys don't know much about this, but Les Mills is this massive fitness company, um, and they do they make classes. Or they the filming work I did is mainly for teachers who teach classes, mm-hmm. but nowadays with the internet, they've got an online product, so it's called uh, Les Mills On Demand, and it's basically you can do your workouts at home, and it's. It's really cool but uh what they've done in the past is just use the videos that they've made for instructors but they've now changed the focus that the videos are now mainly for the home market and instructors just have to learn from those mm. uh and so you know what i do is teach exercise in front of groups of people like massive groups of people uh so in this filming we had to teach with nobody mm. and also we had to teach with these little earplugs in our hair mm-hmm. so nobody around us could hear what we were hearing so yeah. we're just jumping up and down it must have looked really weird, <laughs> and uh, and also the the equipment they had was really terrible because they had, um, basically the the in-ear pieces that we were using were what newsreaders use, yeah, because they they're just trying to trial this stuff, yeah, uh, and I get all sweaty. Well, it wasn't even that you couldn't hear it. There yeah. was no bass. You could hardly hear the music. So you're trying to do this movement to music program,
1: yeah could hardly hear anything
0: <laughs> but it looks like with this amazing backdrop it was pretty phenomenal so that was that was pretty interesting experience one funny thing that did happen so we're doing this workout and uh, Les Mills have this charity workout for water so basically all the instructors around the world every so often we do this charity event and it's to raise money for like pumps in poor parts of the world um, and so we do this tra- <laughs> we do this track and every, every we do this track it was just specifically for workout for water and uh Lisa, the girl who kind of choreographs it, we basically did a third of the track each. We hadn't really prepped it, you know, because it was just an afterthought. Mm. Like most of the stuff we do, you've practiced, you've scripted, it's, it's pretty bloody professional. Well, this one was just an afterthought. So we kind of get up. I think we practice it for 15 minutes. So, mm. so we get up, I get to my bit, and I go, Oh, we love body attack, and we love water. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> that was my saying. And so, yeah, it was wasn't very good. I'm going to any voiceover on that. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, they <laughs> cut it out. Right. We love water. So, there you go. But other than
1: that, John, looking forward to the hot week. Have you been into the mountain bike park yet? I walk up it all the time. Right, mountain biking. I should tell you for mountain bike. Have I'm you done
0: course. it? Yeah. What are you both expensive, isn't it?
1: No, no, I don't pay. Oh, you do that. <laughs> 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 just drop in from the side. So I, you have, I have paid the, once. You, you,
0: what does it pay you? Costs go up? Uh, it's not that cheap No
1: Because
0: mm. apparently that's the problem Because apparently it's not making much money mm. Yeah
1: Because it costs too much for locals but, Great Christchurch news for you there. No, no, but okay. How, do you recommend? Um, it's For me it's one of those things you do once Okay And then you go oh, I think I'd rather have some up and down Rather than just down But did you bike up? Uh, at the time you do it for free? When I do it for free You just drop in yeah, you, uh, you mis- you've got to get up the hill
0: yeah you've got to get up there
1: so you biked up the hill
0: yep mm-hmm. on your mountain bike yeah you've got a shitty wheelhouse mountain bike haven't oh, you I've
1: got another bike now oh with did you get a new bike
0: it's not what you know it's who you know oh, use <laughs> minutes its free shit <laughs> <laughs> um I'd do it with you but I don't have a mountain bike can you scheme a mountain bike for me
1: we'll sort something out <laughs> I think if I had my my neighbour
0: I'm getting to know my neighbours mm-hmm. do you know your neighbours yeah
1: we've got flats next to us so they kind of come and go a little bit mm-hmm.
0: Well, Mike, he's a lovely guy, real lovely guy actually, and Darren, but they just moved, mm-hmm. so we are going to meet those neighbours, and I think, oh Ross over here. Oh, good old Ross. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Ross, he's he's a bit of an athlete, but he's got more of a canoeer. Yeah. He's always got canoes on top of the car, And uh, but they go to the mountain bike park, So, but I don't have a mountain bike, mm. and you can't do it on a road bike, can you? No. Not really. <laughs> no, no. no, you cannot. <laughs> uh,
1: and I think the feedback, did you read the article over Christmas? Oh, this is a bit more local stuff, people don't know. People
0: love this they stuff. They do. They made it too advanced, so they're trying to put more loops in that aren't so advanced.
1: Mm. Mm. Yeah, so anyway, here we go I'm Russ (gasps) I'm Inder Train hard Train smart Kicker. Kicker